the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. On AM 1420, The Answer. Good Friday to you, the 11th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Guest free for the final hour of the broadcast, final hour of the show, final hour of the week. And I want you to be a part of it. Free for all. You go whatever direction in which you would like to go. 216-901-0945. No calls will be censored. No uh, topics will be pushed aside. Whatever you want to do is what we shall do. 888-281-1110 is another one to get you here. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Facebook by looking for France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, or Radio Done Right. Either one of those handles will find me in either place, and I will read the best comments that you have for me on the air today. I did see a Twitter story or a tweet to me uh, linking to a story that I wanted to share with you about the uh, unbelievable insanity of CNN. I mean, they are, as I said in the first hour of the broadcast, they are the gift that keep on giving, the gifts that keep on giving from CNN. Thursday morning, yesterday, CNN called the newsroom of a television station in San Diego. San Diego, as you know, is a very short hop and a skip from Tijuana, Mexico. And there is a wall. There is a big border fence there that has been there for a while, that has helped cut down illegal border crossings by some 90% since it went up. Okay, This is very well known by virtually anybody and everybody who has been studying this, um, uh, you know, this situation. So CNN calls the newsroom at KUSI Television in San Diego and says, hey, we want a reporter who can talk to us about that border wall down there and tell us about its effectiveness or non-effectiveness. And I won't tell you, I won't give you the spoiler alert here. I will just turn this over now to the anchors at KUSI who told this story on their air in San Diego. And you can't hear it from that now, can you? My apologies. We're having all kinds of technical mistakes here. That one is on me. So let me start that over again for you so you can hear it clearly. And as a sign of the times in this debate on the shutdown, CNN asked if KUSI would provide a reporter to offer our local view of the debate, especially to learn if the wall works in San Diego. KUSI offered our own Dan Plant, who's reported many times that the wall is not an issue here. In fact, most officials believe it is effective. The issue we face is the migrants and the debate over their treatments. Now, knowing this, CNN declined to have us on their programs, which often present the wall as not required in other places like the stretch of the Texas border the president visited earlier today. They didn't like what they heard from us. Just some background for you. CNN wanted people in San Diego to tell everybody we don't need this wall. The people in San Diego say, the heck we don't. We absolutely do, and we're glad that it's here. CNN says, "Uh, thanks very much. We'll get back to you. Which is, of course, a brush off because they don't want contrary opinions on their airwaves. 
That's not how this works for CNN. They want to advance their narrative, no matter how inaccurate it might be, because that's the goal. It's not about presenting news. It's about creating stories that will advance their own personal liberal CNN agendas. That's the reason why we have such beautiful stories, like the one I started the show with, in case you happen to miss it, from Jim Acosta. Again, a gift that just keeps on giving. President Trump was going to the border in McClellan, Texas yesterday, uh, McAllen, Texas, rather, uh, yesterday, to report on the crisis, the chaos, the emergency that he may end up declaring in order to get a border wall built in all of the other areas where we need one. Jim Acosta said, oh, yeah, I'm going to beat you down there. I'm going to prove there is no border crisis. So Jim Acosta went down to the border. The erstwhile annoying previously banned, universally reviled, even among his own journalistic compadres, Jim Acosta from CNN, went down to the border to show there's no crisis here. There's only one problem. Here's Jim Acosta in his 34-second Twitter uh, video that he shot, well, that he shot himself and that he shot himself with. And here are some of the steel slats that the president's been talking about uh, right here. Uh, as you can see, yes, you can see through these slats to the uh, other side of the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, but as we're walking along here, we're not seeing any kind of uh, imminent danger. There are no migrants trying to uh, rush toward this fence uh, here in the McAllen, Texas area. As a matter of fact, there are some other businesses uh, behind me along this highway. There's a gas station, Burger King, and so on. Uh, but no sign of the national emergency that the president has been talking about. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's pretty tranquil down here. It's pretty tranquil down here, says Jim Acosta. See? The president's making up news here. The president's saying there's an emergency down here. The president's saying there's a crisis down here on the border. There's nobody crossing. <laughs> border wall. as he stands next to a giant fence that nobody can get through. He's saying, look, see, nobody's coming through. Jim Acosta just cut a 34-second commercial for the president to, to, to convince the American people we need our wall. He just did more to advance the cause of a border wall than the president has done in two years in the White House. He just did more to advance the cause of a wall, to prove the point, to prove the example, than the president has done since 2015 when he said, I'm going to build a big wall because it's going to help cut down on illegal immigration. It's going to help cut down on drugs flowing across the border. Murderers, human traffickers, kidnappers, rapists. We're going to build that wall, and it's going to help cut that down. The president has been talking about this now for going on four years, two years in office, about a year and a half of campaigning. Jim Acosta just did better than he did in 34 seconds, telling everybody, look here, I just uh, came by an area that's got a great big steel slat barrier, and nobody's crossing. Pretty tranquil down here. What an unbelievable observation there, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Please, never stop being you. You are the greatest asset that we have. I remember... And I don't know why this just popped into my head. Sometimes I just, this happens to me and I go stream of consciousness. It's part of ADHD, I guess. But, um, I remember an episode of MASH in which, 
North v- or North Koreans um, uh, tricked Frank into coming across uh, um, you know a checkpoint to get back to their side. Uh, and Frank Burns, the camp nitwit uh, at the 4077th, went with them thinking that they were South Korean and was going to go give a guest lecture on medicine or something like that. They just needed him to get through the checkpoint because they were North Korean. And when they got to the other side and Frank realized what was up, they said to him, please, please, go back to your base. You are the best asset we have on your side. You can do more for us on your side than you could if we kept you hostage. Jim Acosta, your Frank freaking Burns. Please, stay at CNN, stay in the White House press pool, keep reporting, because you're the best friend we have on that side. Absolutely hilarious. To the phones we go. This is going to be Jan in Greater Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Jan, go ahead. Oh, hi. Uh, you know, I got a good book for Christmas, and uh, it is called uh, The True Jesus. And... This sentence makes so much sense. Truth is not what we wish it to be. We cannot manipulate it to conform to our standards. In this case, I would, for Nancy's benefit, I would say agenda. She is, could she stand in front of, you know, she's a grandma. She's so proud of being a grandma. Could she stand in front of the grandparents who lost their grandchildren to, to drugs and overdose and say, I'll give you a dollar? She is, she's reprehensible. Jan, she could stand, to answer your question, she could stand in front of her own grandchildren and look at them and said, you know, if your mommy wanted to abort you, I would have supported her. Because she does. She supports unlimited abortion. From conception to delivery or partial birth delivery, she supports abortion rights. So, yes, she would look at those children who died. She would look at the children of people who died of overdoses. She would look at she would look at her own grandchildren and say, I love you because you're here. But if mommy didn't want you, I would have supported her into killing you in killing you. So, yes, she is evil. She is a demon. She is honestly just not not part of humanity. She is a part of what tries to drag humanity into the pits of hell. That is how I feel about Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, well, uh, and uh, have you heard uh, that there is a group called uh, Latin America First who yes. are transporting people to uh, to churches so they can be safe when they cross the border? Yes, of course there are. There are a number of groups, They're not just Latin America First. There are groups down there on uh, uh, in the American Southwest, and thanks, Jan, for the call. There are groups down there that provide all kinds of services to illegal aliens when they cross the, uh, when they cross the border, transporting them to safe zones, transporting them to sanctuary cities, feeding and clothing and, and, and nourishing them, and so on and so forth. And I have no problem with the feeding and nourishing as long as it was to say, here, you're going to need this water on your trip back. You have to go back the other way. This is illegal. You can't do this. Then I support those groups. But instead, they're aiding and abetting them and assisting them in getting into the United States and going to sanctuary cities where they can continue to violate federal law. Yeah, that's a little bit of a different story. Mark in Fairview Park, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Mark, go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I was going to comment on the guy you had who was talking about climate change and that. 
Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, uh, try to make this short. I got all kinds of figures from over the years. But what I'm trying to make here is, uh, you know, if you watch the weather closely, and I'm not a weather man, and I don't get money from big oil or anything else, but over the last two years, two to three years, I watch on the weather where we have a really hot day like in Cleveland, and then they, then they ring up, hey, the last time we had a weather like this was uh, 1888. You know, and you, if you keep your nose to the grindstone with this stuff, you'll find out that uh, back in the 1800s, like on the Weather Channel, they had a thing to 10 worst storms. Half of them were in the 18, uh, 1800s. 1888, the Great Nor'easter, 1899, massive snow. New Orleans covered and everything else. Al Roker with the hurricane, uh, his book, uh, 1900. 1938, Hurricane Long Island, which a friend of mine's father was living there at that time. He, he said there's a bay now that was actually formed from the hurricane. But, you know, the, you, you have so many of these, and I see them on the news. The weather forecasters always bring this stuff up for the records, also along with heat. Uh, so many of the days, oh, it's 103 in Cleveland. We had one of the hottest days. Then they go back to, like, the late 1800s. And this woman from NBC, Prager quotes this a lot. She, uh, she states that uh, climate change means violent weather of all kinds. Okay? And uh, the, um, the point I'm trying to make here is, as I said, if you keep your nose to the grindstone, you'll find out that they Ten twenty-six. The Bob France Authority continues. We are guest-free this hour, so it's open phone lines. We'd like to call it free for all Friday. Anything you want to talk about, whether it be the climate change story, the last guy just did, the border wall, uh, the lying Nancy Pelosi, the lying Chuck Schumer, the lying MSNBC, the lying CNN, the reprehensible Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, the more reprehensible Rashida uh, Tlaib. Any of those things are just fine. <laughs> And if you want to talk about the uh, uh, pitchers and catchers reporting to the Indians in a month, we can do that, too. No kidding. It's literally wide open for you, whatever you want to talk about. Amy in uh, Hudson wants to talk about the wall on AM 1420, The Answer. Amy, go right ahead. Yes, good morning, Bob. Thank you so much for educating us. And I love your sense of humor. It's funny. You've really played some good snippets of the Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. I just wish they were intentional. I just wish they were intentional comedy. You have to laugh at her because of her ignorance and the danger she poses. That's the problem. It's awful. It's horrifying, and it's scary. But I wanted to talk about her comment about the wall being immoral. Now, I think, in my opinion, there are two kinds of walls. The one that is immoral is the one that keeps its citizens inside, won't let them out. The, uh, these citizens are like prisoners in their own country, very much like the wall in Ger- between Germ- East Germany and West Germany. So that, I think, is an immoral wall. President Trump's wall, on the other hand, is, in my opinion, moral. It is a very moral wall because it will keep us safe. We are free to walk out of this country, fly out, drive out, whatever we want to do. But... It is that his wall, President Trump's wall, is a moral law of a wall because it keeps us safe. That's all I want to say. Amy, and I'm glad you said it. I could not possibly agree with you more. Uh, because It's a morality because of two things, actually. Number one, it keeps us safe from the drug smugglers, cartel members, gang members, human traffickers, and so on and so forth that our Border Patrol struggles to apprehend every day. It would keep us far, far safer from them. But moreover, it would deter 
ignorant parents in Central American countries from dragging their kids on a forced march through 1,000 miles of Mexico and hundreds of miles more of American desert to try to get to the United States. If they knew there was a great big giant barrier there, they're not coming. Just like Jim Acosta said, well, I came down here to, to McAllen, Texas, and I'm standing next to a big border wall, and guess what? There's no migrants here. There's nobody crossing the border. There's no emergency like the president said there was. Reporting live for CNN, I'm Jim Acosta. You just proved that walls stop migrants, you blithering idiot you. Although I have to say, if you're going to go idiot, I do always prefer that you go full blithering. Jim Acosta, mission accomplished. But to your point, uh, uh, Amy and Hudson, that's what makes it moral as well. It'll make these parents realize that way to get in is futile. Well, maybe we should go to our uh, to our um, uh, our own co- government and request to go to the American government to, uh, with a green card request so that we can go into the United States legally. What do you think? Pretty good idea as far as I'm concerned. That's a morality. Much, much more coming on AM 1420, The Answer, after the news. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home, Jim. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up. The whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Rolling along on a free-for-all Friday. It's 1034. Um, I'm going to spend a few minutes here before I go back to your phone calls. Do me a favor. If you're on hold, be patient. I won't be forever. But I'm going to offend some delicate uh, snowflake ears for a moment here with some facts from the late, great, and brilliant Charles Krauthammer. Charles Charles Krauthammer narrated this Prager University uh, University video that is one of my all-time favorites that is more appropriate now than ever before. Every sensible immigration policy has two objectives. One, to regain control of our borders so that we decide who enters, and two, to find a humane way to deal with the 11 million illegal immigrants who now live among us. Start with the second. For both practical and moral reasons, America cannot and will not and should not expel 11 million people. That leaves us with two choices. Ignore them or figure out a way to legalize them. Ignoring them hasn't worked. But there's also a huge problem with legalization. It creates an irresistible incentive for new illegal immigrants to come. We say, of course, that this will be the very last very final, never again, we're not kidding this time, amnesty. And everyone knows it's phony. That's what was said in 1986 when we passed the Simpson-Mazzoli immigration reform. It turned out to be the largest legalization program in American history. Nearly three million people got permanent residency. There was no enforcement. 
we now have 11 million new illegal immigrants in our midst. The irony of this whole debate, which bitterly splits the country, is that there is a silver bullet that would not just solve the problem, but also create a national consensus behind it. A vast number of Americans who oppose legalization and fear new waves of immigration would change their minds if we could radically reduce new, i.e. future, illegal immigration. And we can. First, build a barrier. Call it a wall, call it a fence, call it what you will. Add cameras and sensors, add drones, beef up the patrols. All that matters is that we regain control of the border. Fences work. The triple fence outside San Diego led to a 90% reduction in infiltration. Israel's border fence with the West Bank produced a similar decline. Even holier-than-thou Europeans have conceded the point. Hungary, Macedonia, Bulgaria, Austria, Greece, Spain, why even Norway have all started building border fences to stem the tide of Middle Eastern refugees. Then enforce two other measures. A national e-verify system that makes it just about impossible to work if you're here illegally, and a functioning visa tracking system since 40% of illegal immigrants are visa overstays. The wall fence will, of course, be ugly. So are the concrete barriers to keep truck bombs from driving into the White House. Sometimes function has to supersede form. And don't tell me that this is our Berlin Wall. When you build a wall to keep people in, that's a prison. When you build a wall to keep people out, that's an expression of sovereignty. Of course, no barrier will be foolproof, but it doesn't have to be. It simply has to reduce the river to a manageable trickle. Once we do, everything becomes possible, including dealing with our 11 million illegal immigrants. So let's fix that. Track the visas, do we verify, build the damn barrier. It's ridiculous to say that it can't be done. And who would certify that the border is back in our control? I would have a neutral party, perhaps a commission of retired jurists, issue the judgment. Once they do, we legalize the 11 million, granting them the right to stay and work here. We can't give them citizenship. That's a bridge too far. You don't get to join the political destiny of the country by entering it illegally. But any children born here would be American, which means that over time, the issue resolves itself. The American people are legitimately angry at the price American society has paid due to illegal immigration. But they are also a generous people. Once they're assured that we do indeed control our borders, that anger will abate. A national consensus will emerge. Radical border control followed by radical legalization. No mushy compromise. A solution requires two acts of national will. Putting up a wall along with E-Verify and visa tracking and absorbing those who broke our laws to come to America. This is not a compromise meant to appease both sides without achieving anything. It's not some piece of hybrid legislation that arbitrarily divides illegals into those with five-year-old roots in America and those without, or some such mischief-making nonsense. 
If we do it right, not only will we solve the problem, we will get it done as one nation. I'm Charles Krauthammer for Prager University. I uh, cannot say enough about A, Charles Krauthammer, and B, Prager University, separate from one another. But when they come together, it's even better. Obviously, I don't agree with every word of Krauthammer's uh, missive. Uh, but because I don't believe in the uh, amnesty provided to 11 to 20 million illegal immigrants in this country, but I will agree with him on this. If we did build our wall, and if the flow of illegal immigrants coming across our border decreased by 90% the way it did in San Diego, the way that it has 99% in Israel, the way it has in 99% in Hungary, Nations and areas around the world that have built built border walls to cut down on illegal border crossings have been so extraordinarily successful, it's impossible to deny their effectiveness. If we did build that wall and control that border, I think Charles Krauthammer is right. Our outrage over the 11 to 20 million who are here illegally now would begin to abate. It would. I know I, I can just, I know me. I don't know you. You know you. I am outraged at the idea of all of these people coming into this country and hurting this country, uh, taking jobs away from American citizens, disproportionately affecting minority American citizens, bringing crime, drugs, and so on and so forth. I would be outraged that they get to stay. However, if I know, but not, by the way, you heard Krauthammer's caveat there, not with a path to citizenship and voting rights. As he said, you don't get to be a part of this country's destiny by breaking our laws the moment you get here. You don't get citizenship, but you can stay and work. I know me enough to say that if I knew that there were no more of the drugs or a massive reduction in all of those things coming across the border, I can deal with those being left here who obey the law now, uh, paying taxes and, and so on and so forth. Over time, my anger would subside. Ten years from now, 20 years from now, seeing the massive cut down at the border and the Criminal aliens, the ones who are here committing crimes, drug crimes, uh, homicides, et cetera, et cetera, or any kind of crimes whatsoever, then losing their legal status and being deported, I would eventually get over it. Because I think at, point, at some point in time does heal almost all wounds. And that, that part I can agree with, with uh, uh, Charles Krauthammer. All right, back to the phones we go, and it's going to be who's been sitting here longer. I think it's Fred in Rocky River. Hey, Fred, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Okay, Bob, thank you. Uh, look, I just heard at the break again, which I've heard it a, a hundred times or a thousand, that uh, government workers again go without paychecks today, you know, the TSA or the park rangers or whatever it is. And my question is, why should it? Why should they be the default guys that lose their paycheck? Why should it not be the guys that are making the decisions in Congress? Why? Why do? Why don't they? And it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be a deterrent at all for them to lose their paycheck because they're all so damn wealthy. But the fact is, we'd stop hearing. You know, the the, the automatic translation is well, Trump. It's Trump's problem. The wall. He wants the wall. And now these poor people that are in the low rungs of society are not going to get paid. They're not going to get their paycheck. I, I just think that's wrong, and I don't know why that can't get changed. Well, um, I, I don't think changing it from shutting down portions of government deemed to be not essential for various reasons uh, and changing that to instead 
will will cut off the pay of Congress is enough of an answer, Fred, because there wouldn't be enough, you know, uh, uh, in terms of the, the costs. You know, because remember, we're operating right now without spending bills and appropriations being made. We wouldn't save enough money if we just didn't pay Congress. But I like the idea of combining the two. If they have to go without pay, meaning any of the federal workers, no matter what department they were in, if they have to go without pay for a period of time because you aren't getting your jobs done, then you have to go without your pay for the same period of time. The, the, the difference I would add, Fred, and thanks for the call. I'm going to drop it because you got some clicking going on. The difference I would add is that while the federal workers who are on furlough are going to get paid, and that was just passed. It is every time there is a shutdown. That was just passed yesterday. I believe they, they reached an agreement to make sure that back pay will go to all of those not getting their pay. So it means they're short-term paying, clearly. But, uh, you know, they'll get all of their money back, and eventually they can catch up on whatever they had to catch up on. And hopefully they will all have, you know, the ability to talk to their creditors and not have it ding them or not have their rent or their mortgages or anything else, you know, negatively impact them for a long time. But while they will get their back pay, to me... Congress should not. If and when they vote to to cease paychecks, to stop paychecks from going to Congress, they don't get them back once the government is back and running fully again, in my view. The, and the same, you can't say the same thing about the president because the president's already not collecting a paycheck. He doesn't make a nickel. The president's not being paid for his services. Congress should not be paid for theirs. If there is a dispute between Congress and the president, which there is in this case, and they are all to blame in some form or another, yes, I'm with you. Do not pay them. Do not pay them. And unlike the uh, federal workers who are furloughed, uh, don't give them their money back. Andy in Middleburg Heights is next. Hi, Andy. Go ahead. You're on the air. uh, Sonny, good morning to you, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Thanks for for all you're doing uh, keeping us up to date. Yes, sir. I got a, I got a, I look, never looked at that, this perspective. The young lady had on Amy that said the wall in Germany is put up to keep people in. That's an immoral wall, and the wall that we have will be a moral wall. I mean, what's wrong? If, if that's the case, and, and uh, Pelosi thinks that that wall is immoral, go to her house, tear the wall down, let them people come in and live on your land, Open up your front door and get rid of your armed guards. If this is how you feel, that wall is immoral, then take yours down. Schumer, all the rest of you, take your walls down, get rid of all your armed guards and everything else, and then we'll see if you feel the same way. And, Bob, I hope I hope it never happens, but what needs to happen is one of the Pelosi or one of these people that's all against us, all these Democrats, something, and God, God forgive me for saying this, something needs to happen to their family where they finally get to feel what these people are like the ones around Hennedy and, and all these places, that they're they're crying. Their kids are gone. Their wives are gone. They've been raped, mutilated, cut up. This is what needs to happen to one of these before he gets them off their lazy ass and, and see what's going on with the rest of the country and quit worrying about themselves or with their power struggle. Just think about the American people, us. We're the ones that put them in there. And, boy, we should be able to take every one of these out that doesn't feel the way we do. And with that, well, sir, I, I thank you. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. Um, I, I suspect um, you probably will not gain the forgiveness you seek if you wish something bad to happen to one of the Pelosi family members or others. Um, and I know that's just a figure of speech when you say, God, forgive me for saying it, but but don't say it. Uh, just don't. That's that's not us. It's It should not be anybody. It shouldn't take Nancy Pelosi to have a family member killed by an illegal alien for Nancy Pelosi to feel compassion for those who have lost lives. It shouldn't take that. It should just be her being human. Not just humane, but human. I think she's less than 
to be quite honest with you. After that response that I played earlier in the program from Nancy Pelosi, I think she is subhuman. I think she is there is a there is a moral chip that is missing from her when she can equate the murder of a police officer with the accidental deaths of two migrant children who were put into harm's way by their parents' terrible decisions despite the border patrol and uh, uh, medical uh, uh, personnel's attempts to save them the fact that she could do that in order to try to further her point is it's just not human what has to happen is for her to develop some empathy to develop some compassion to develop some sense and it shouldn't take a death in her own family to do that let's not be that person let's not be that way i know we're not that way that includes you andy AC in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Yes, Bob? Yes. Okay. Uh, a few days ago, you were talking about a movie about a former vice president. And yes. the actor who played that role recently won an award for his acting in that movie. Indeed. And in accepting the award, the actor publicly gave glory to Satan. Yes. For inspiring him to play that political character role. Yes. And you asked your listeners... If they should spend money to watch movies played by actors who off-camera make derogatory, disgusting remarks. Uh, you were right up until that last part, uh, because the, uh, because I did not ask if they would spend money on it, because I wouldn't. Uh, it's kind of I made the comparison to okay. the Nike thing. I won't buy Nike. I just asked, can you even watch them in roles they've already played? If you're watching on TV and you're flipping around and you see a movie with an actor like that, who said one of those horrific things and, you know, uh, it routinely disparages America or conservatives or whatever, if you, if you even watch them or if you flip the channel anymore. When it comes to the money, AC, I can tell you right now, no way, not a nickel, won't do it. Okay, well, um, the point I'd like to make here is the Apostle Paul wrote to Corinthian Greek Christians that Satan himself is transformed into an agent, angel of light. And Satan, who's also known as Lucifer, was such a capable actor that he succeeded to deceive one-third of the angels in heaven that he identified himself as God and therefore would rise above the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And the triune God of the universe cast that actor and his audience out of heaven. Okay. Um, and- Draw the conclusion for me. Thank you for that that biblical update, but go ahead. Yeah, the the conclusion is, um, why watch a movie, you know, to to answer your question, okay, if you've got somebody that's declaring Satan as their God, you know, or acknowledging Satan. Right, right, I got you. Yeah, uh, and and I guess that essentially was the question. And I'm not, ju- I mean, that's the first time I've heard anybody say it in those terms, AC, and thanks for the call. It was Christian Bale is who we were talking about, of course, and he said, uh, in, I'm sure just in a mocking and joking manner in accepting his Golden Globe Award, he said, I'd like to th- thank Satan for the inspiration on playing this character, implicating, of course, or, or intimating, rather, that Dick Cheney is Satan. He learned how to act like Dick Cheney by channeling Satan because Cheney is satanic. He wasn't necessarily giving glory to Satan. He was saying Dick Cheney is Satan, and I had to find a way to act like Satan. So that doesn't make any better. I'm just pointing it out. Uh, to me, it's when people disparage conservatives or uh, you know patriotic Americans like Dick Cheney is, in my opinion, and others. And when they make the comments they make, the likes of which, um, you know, who did I say the other day? Um, Matt uh, Damon. Uh, 
uh, uh, Robert De Niro, some of the best actors of our generation have, have just gone so far to the left and said such disparaging things. I can't, and I never will, pay money to watch those individuals again. But when they come on TV, sometimes I just like the movie so much, I'll leave it on. Can you do that, or do you turn it off, saying, I can't stand that person anymore, therefore I won't watch his character in this show? Thank you for the call, AC. More coming up on AM 1420, The Answer, after this. Ten fifty-five. final segment of the Bob France Authority for this Friday. Don't forget Mike Gallagher is coming up next, then Prager, and then the brilliant Dr. Gorka, uh, Seculo Elder Walsh. Uh, well, I'll stop there. Uh, probably went a little too far. Let's go back to it, and we'll talk to uh, Todd in Cleveland. Hey, Todd, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Hey, Bob, I wanted to change what I actually was calling about. I told the call screener one thing, but something stick is sticking with me, okay? Okay, sure. This- this series they're doing that they're calling a documentary on Art Kelly and yeah. and the things that he's done very inappropriately with yeah. young girls and some young and some young women. I hope this gives more insight to people of the value of programs such as Jack and Jill, the Girl Scout, and the various sororities in this country to have um, programs that cater to the well-being and the self-esteem of young girls so they could better and reach more girls that understand how to interact with teenage boys as they are teenagers and interact with grown men because what i caught me more than anything else about the what i know about this these incidents is all of these girls had this weak twisted understanding of the term boyfriend they kept saying it all of them kept saying it over and over again and it's like yeah that just hit me and they were all they were all duped by their twisted um, pursuit of the, what they wanted to accomplish in life. It was twisted. And these programs help to make sure that things like that don't happen to them. That was it. Um, I'll tell you what. I, I, um, some of the ones you said I knew, obviously, I don't know what Jack and Jill is. What's that? Jack and Jill is a um, program that caters to um, young boys and girls that, talk, that works toward um, basically civic-minded behavior. They have cotillions and things such as that, and they have interactive programs where they work on um, community service-type projects. And it's not a difficult one to look up. It's a, okay, it's no, that's fine. Program. It's good. To, so, so it's similar to the others, which makes a lot of sense, obviously. And yeah. I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't paid a ton of attention to that documentary. I've only read social media a little bit on it uh, and people commenting on it, and a lot of people just disgusted by him and uh, even some people who used to be friends or supporters of his or whatever, really, really you know, walking all that back now because they're so uh, disgusted by it. Uh, but I think it's impossible to disagree with your point. There needs to be some, you know, something or some organization Organizations or parents directing uh, their girl, their young daughters, to make sure that they understand what it really means uh, to have a boyfriend and to you know to who they can trust and and all these kinds of things, so they don't fall prey to predators. Quite frankly, from what I understand about R. Kelly and all of these things, essentially a predator. And I completely understand and agree with what you say. Preventive medicine, right, Bob? One day, there you go. Another one day. There you go. That, amen to that. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. God bless. Uh, Esther in Cleveland is going to wrap it up for us this morning. Esther, you're on the air. Go ahead. Thanks, and Happy New Year. I was thinking of hypocrites and hypocrisy. On Tuesday night, I heard a panel discussion. They were complaining about the president talking at the heartstrings. Well, Pelosi and Schumer, they were saying the president's obsessed. He has a temper tantrum. He's 
holding the employees hostage, and I think that's that's enough to incite the PPOs. Uh, absolutely, it is. That's what they're trying to talk talk about heartstrings or trying to uh, uh, to to enrage the easily enraged. Um, that is exactly what they do. And, and the, the worst part about it to me, Esther, is you know what it really is. My description of it: what they say, it's projection. They are projecting their own failures and their own. Uh, um, uh, their own uh, behaviors upon the president because nobody in this country throws temper tantrums like liberal Democrats throw temper tantrums. There are so many examples of it uh, in all of protests and all of their sit-ins and their shut-ins and their this and their that and their we're not leaving the chamber until he gives us what we want and you know, a lot of the great memes out there with them with their little binkies in their mouths while they play their little stompy foot games. The Democrats have thrown temper tantrums while the Republicans have tried to be the grown-ups for a long, long time. Calling this a Trump temper tantrum when it's been four years in the making is simply a projection. That's all the time that we got. I'll talk to you Monday on the Bob France Authority. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.